Hi, everybody. Chris Gethard here. Welcome to New Jersey is the world. We're recording on a Tuesday night, so that does mean that if a strange blaring beeper goes off, uh, I am actively uh, an EMT driver. I'm not an EMT. I, I drive the ambulance for the EMTs here in Morris County. So if it goes off and I run away, that's why. So I wanted to give you the caveat on that. Also wanted to just go ahead and say that we have another advertiser. You remember back in the day we were working with Lunar Fair. We like to work with people that we really like what they do and they seem like chill people. And and we don't we're not linked up with any ad sales uh, racket out here. You know, there's a lot of companies that sell ads for podcasts. People just get in touch with us. My friend Randy, uh, this guy, when I say he's a friend, he plays in a band called Dikembe. He is a really good dude. I was the reverend for his wedding. He's one of us. He's been on the Patreon for a long time. Really, really great guy. And he's helping out with a business called Grit Refinery. And you can use the coupon code New Jersey, and you'll get 10% off their, uh, their products at their website. Randy grew up in Somerville, New Jersey. Him and his friend Scott are working on uh, on Grit Refinery. Randy's helping to get the word out. Scott grew up in Somerville, moved to Asbury Park, and uh, now lives out in Brooklyn, you know, getting more in touch with that art scene and those hustlers over there. But he, he wants to make it clear. He lives down by the water in Red Hook. Used to live in an <laughs> RV down by the water, specifically because it feels like the Jersey Shore. That's what he wants. And Grit Refinery, they basically make furniture and objects out of, I believe, concrete, right, Mike D? It is correct, out of concrete. And this shit is cool. Yes. You are a known, you uh, you were the brains behind our Town Seals um, episode. Every, I think it's been talked about a lot that you went and bought the style guide for New Jersey Street Signs. You love aesthetics. <laughs> you love stuff like this. Talk to me about your impression of the Grit Refinery products that have... Uh, Come your way. You know what else I love? And this is true. And you can confirm this because you've all been to my houses. I love small tables and I have many very fancy small tables in my house by Charles and Ray Eames and Florence Knoll. And I just, with my own money, I was not sent this by Grit Refinery for free. I used my own money to purchase this because I fell in love with it. I bought a small concrete mid-century modern tiny table from grit refinery which i have right here in my studio as we speak and i literally bought this instantly because i thought it was so cool i love things that are made out of concrete if i were a millionaire i'd live in an ondo house one of those concrete boxes but this stuff is legitimately cool and again like i don't have to pretend to say this because <laughs> they're advertising on our show i'm saying it because i bought this table because i wanted it and i love it and wanted it in my house so colored concrete is super cool and you don't see a ton of it so i'm a big fan of what they're doing at grit refinery grit refinery is great i know nick you've been walking around and taking pictures with a uh, <laughs> a concrete avocado that grit refinery made and sent you yeah concrete runs in my blood too definitely love it concretophile um, yes, and oddly enough, I went, <laughs> I went over to Mike T's and he gave me a concrete avocado and I have one of those problems like, I don't know, I'll pick certain things up like a giant acorn or whatever and uh, I'll carry it around. So this avocado, I started carrying around with me from like Friday through the weekend and everywhere I went, I had the avocado with me and I would take pictures with it. It was awesome and it's the way it, um, the way it's cast, I, I'd love to ask him how they did it, but I guess that's part of the trick. The detail was so fine on the... Um, concrete i was really impressed there wasn't like any seams or anything like that and i'm a i'm a pottery guy myself and i like slip casting so it was 
really intrigued by the detail. And then when I went onto their uh, Instagram, I really fell in love with some of the crazy stuff they're doing, the different mixes of uh, kind of concrete and colored and like the, the, the tones and the depths and then polished concrete just looks fantastic. Totally into it. Love it. And, uh, Wish them continued success. We want everybody to go to gritrefinery.com. It takes you right to their Etsy shop. And from that, I mean, you can get things as simple as a coaster for $7 all the way up to a white oak slab concrete and breast table for $700. And there's a whole lot of different things in between. We're talking about concrete bagels, concrete avocados, yes. buddy stools, end tables that are legit rad. And remember, at checkout, you use the code New Jersey, you get ten percent off. So that uh, that seven hundred dollar table, if you need that, that table, all of a sudden that's a six hundred and thirty dollar table. If I'm doing my math right, and I'm notoriously bad at math, but go ahead, support some real New Jersey people. Uh, Randy is the person who famously I've talked about on the show. I once told him uh, we were talking about, oh, Somerville's really changed. And he was like, yeah, it was, it was definitely a lot different than I grew up. And I was like, I always thought of it as kind of like, you know, very similar to a Boundbrook or a Manville. And he got real mad and went, it's not Manville. So <laughs> that's a story that I've milked endlessly over the years. And uh, he's he's one of ours. Scott is a true Blue Jersey guy as well, showing great love for uh, Asbury Park and Somerville. So gritrefinery.com, everybody. The code is New Jersey. You get 10% off. How's that for an ad? Boom. How's that for an ad right there? support our own here at New Jersey is the world. Now, this episode is coming out on a day that is very sacred in New Jersey. I, would we all agree, you know, everybody's different. Everybody has their own personal opinion. Would you guys agree with me that in general, Halloween is probably New Jersey's favorite holiday? Is that fair to say? I think it's fair to say it's also by far my favorite holiday, no question. Mine too. My front lawn right now is covered. I'm, I've started basically an arms race of crazy Halloween decorations in my neighborhood. Thank God. I was told it was a big Halloween neighborhood and everybody went big with the decorations. So I went and bought all this terrifying shit. And then I realized my neighbors all have like an inflatable Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and like cool stuff. But I have like zombie babies crawling around on the lawn. I got smoke machines. I got, I got, Ooh. I now have a 20 foot tall inflatable ghost that lights up purple and now some of my neighbors are starting to get in, in on it. And uh, it's fun shit, man. Do you have the skeleton? Do you have the giant skeleton? Everybody no, that now? Home Depot, that big giant Home Depot skeleton. I don't have that one yet. We started talking today. We were texting. What should we talk about tonight? And this is, I think, maybe a first, <laughs> which everybody knows. It's usually, you know, Mike, everybody can tell. I think a lot of people who listen to Wotown know, okay, this one sounds like a Mike D episode because it's usually got a little bit of a thesis behind it or some research <laughs> behind it. Or sometimes people will go, oh, this one seems like it's a Gethard episode because it's like, what's the, what, what town have you shit your pants in? And like the more freewheeling <laughs> ones sound more like mine. This is maybe our first Bonaduce episode. I have a lot of ideas. I just don't get credit for it. That's okay. Listen, you're a genius. My idiotic ramblings just come out however they come out. You are in many ways the engine that runs this show. But you were like, we should just do an episode that's about how Halloween can be fucked up and traumatic. And that really rang true to me in a Jersey way. Cause, and here's what I, and as soon as you said it, here's why I thought it was great. Would you guys agree a big part of growing up in New Jersey is as a young person, this state, you test yourself, right? You go and you drive real far to get some food and you go to a different town or you, you know, 
you and a bunch of your friends go to the Devil's Tower and you go drive around it backwards. You go to Andy's Road to see if you can find the blood streak. You get your license, you test yourself. And I, I really feel like that the earliest you are asked to test your grit as a New Jersey youth is the first year that your parents let you go and walk Halloween without them by your side. That to me feels like the first time that you go, all right, New Jersey's a fucked up place and I'm going to see what I got and what my place is in it. And I think Halloween and Mischief Night combine in this state to be young people's entry into a sort of um, self-actualized testing of their metal that ties right into Action Park, that ties right into going on free fall at Great Adventure and seeing if your scalp gets ripped off, (laughs) that gets tied right into we got our license, so let's drive real far to go someplace that we've heard of but never seen. I think of it as the costume kumite. When you reach the age of 10, 11, 12 and are let loose on the streets in a costume where other costume people, many of whom are the scariest people that you grew up with, are anonymously also roaming the streets looking to prove themselves. The weirdest thing about that is, do you remember running into other kids that you knew that you would talk to all the time at school or any other time, but when you saw them on Halloween in their costume, they would not acknowledge or talk to you? Yes. Or they'd behave like psychos. Yes. And, but it was known, we're going to be back at school either tomorrow or on Monday, and none of us are going to mention this. But, <laughs> but tonight, October 30th, it really, you know what it is? What's the movie? Is it The Purge? Where they go, there's 24 hours without laws? Yes. Right? That's the premise. I think whoever wrote that movie, I would be thrilled and not surprised to find out that they grew up in New Jersey and went, well, in New Jersey, from sundown on mischief night till sunup on November 1st, if you are a kid, there truly are no consequences and no rules. Like, not only would someone not acknowledge you in their costume, Nick, they, they might behave aggressively towards you, but you know, next time I see you, we're going to forget about this. I also had an older sibling, so that added to a lot of my Halloween trauma. I bet. How so? The resentful older sister who was forced to take out their younger brother Uh, for the first time, like without the parents. It was the only way my sister could get away with going out without the parents. It was to take me with them. And... I was pushed down by one of her friends on Mike D's stoop before he lived there and got bloodied my first Halloween out like alone with my sister in a Batman costume and bled and screamed all the way back down to my house. I love it. We're going to have a lot of stories about how traumatic Halloween can be. I just get worse and worse. Now, Mike D, you built the outline for this one after Bonaduce pitched it and you wanted to start with some of the fun traumas. Uh, the thing about Halloween in New Jersey because we do love it so much, is it's actually a season, right? There's a Halloween season, which culminates with Mischief Night, or if you prefer, Goosey Night. Um, Maybe even a Cabbage Night. Maybe even Cabbage Night. Uh, But there's a season leading up to it. And I think some of those things leading up to it are just as traumatic. And they, you know, apple and pumpkin picking, corn mazes. I think these are worth a bit of discussion because I imagine every person you know, from New Jersey, or if you visited here this time of year, has probably been dragged into some of those activities, which are equal, deeply traumatic in my experience. Now, when I first read it, I said, how are they deeply traumatic? But I will say, now that I'm driving with my local EMT squad in Morris County, I'm not going to name every, I think people have picked up. I don't, I don't, due to the fact that I have a wife and a child, 
Uh, I don't say what town I live in specifically. I will tell you, my EMT squad does cover a very popular corn maze slash apple picking slash pumping picking farm in Morris County. Um, there's a bunch of them, so I don't think that outs me. I can tell you that when I moved to this area, I was told one of the pains in the ass for this EMT squad is during Halloween season, there's a constant litany of calls to this farm. And I've seen at least four in the past week pop up on our system. And I went on one. I drove the ambulance to the farm for one of them. Um, and there's constantly people passing out, busted ankles, um, get, there are constant 911 calls from corn mazes. I can tell you that because I now have access to that, that backend info. That's an excellent opportunity to get apple cider donuts every time something like that happens. Oh, uh, <laughs> you think it's a scam? You think people go, oh, my blood sugar's low. I passed out. They're just trying to scam free apple cider donuts? No, but if I was in the EMT and was like, oh, God, thank God we have to go back to the farm again. We can get apple cider donuts because I will eat them every two minutes if I had the opportunity. I go, we had to drive through all this traffic, all this foot traffic, cones set up on the middle of the road. They don't even toss us. They don't even toss us a free donut. No candy corn. I'm off the candy corn now. I had a horrifying incident at the same corn maze that I know you're talking about. <laughs> we were with a couple of friends. I think you were there, Nick. Yes, I remember. This is that's the reason. This is the reason why I never went to a corn maze ever again. So we all decide to do the fall Halloween thing. <laughs> we go to this farm and we decide to go into the corn maze. And at the beginning of the corn maze, there's a number of things you can purchase, like. You can purchase a, a hint booklet. You can purchase a map. But, and in order to read the map, which we didn't know at the time, you also needed to purchase 3D glasses. So we decide that we're going to purchase none of these things. We're like, ah, oh, we don't need this. How, how hard could this corn maze be? We go into the corn maze and within 15 minutes, we are hopelessly lost. I mean, we have no idea where we are and we have no map and we find a map on the ground and we're like, Oh, we found a map. And then we can't read the map because it's one of those weird red line drawings that you can't read without 3d glasses. We're in this corn maze for an hour and a half and are no closer to getting out. And it's one of those things like part of the problem with all these fall activities in New Jersey is it might be a 90 degree day. So we're in these like stalks of corn and all you can hear around you are basically families that are about eight minutes from divorce. <laughs> Parents screaming at each other. Like we can't see them because they're hitting the corn. Kids like fighting. Mommy, why can't we get out of the corn maze? And like cigarette smoke. People just like no one can get out of this thing. And finally, we're going all of a sudden like a like a monster coming out of the corn we see new jersey dad just bull rushing his way through the corn with a cigarette in his mouth plowing down the corn so this goddamn fucking corn may i can't stand and he's just literally like is walking through the corn knocking it over with his like kids crying behind him and his wife looking sheepishly like he just gave up because the corn maze was so complicated and plowed his way out to like where he could see the sort of corn maze carnival and we were like all right. And we just kind of followed the path that he cut through this. I think otherwise we might still be in that corn maze because it was so. It was crazy because they had these like, um, like you would be going through the maze and then there was a area where you could go up on like a lookout. Yeah, like a little bridge. Yeah. You could kind of like look around. Oh, to scout out your, your, your strategy. The corn was so thickly like thatched together and like so well organized. I was like, we were really in there at one point. I'm like. And you hear like, there's people like, I don't care where they're going. We're going this way. They're like, there's, there's groups splintering. It becomes like survival in a corn maze. It was like pretty funny. 
<laughs> but like finally I was like saying to myself, what if something were to happen to somebody in here? And I think like one of our friends was either pregnant at the time. Yes. Was pregnant. Yes. Yep. I think they were pregnant. And I was like, I'm thinking to myself, if you got stuck in here, there's no like direct line that runs through this thing to like rescue anybody out of. Dude. You have a child of the corn. <laughs> yeah, you would have a child of the corn, that's for sure. You know what else I love about these places? They're expensive. And I don't, I'm trying to think if there's. They're hard to park. I'm trying to think off the top of my head if there's any in New Jersey. It's muddy. Yeah, I mean, they're tourist traps. No, no, no. Every once in a while you see one and they'll have like a corn cannon where they got like the pneumatic Ooh. air gun and you blast the corn or like or a the good, apple yeah. cannon, yeah. Or like a pumpkin trebuchet, you know? And I got to say, there is a part of me that when I see those, I go, that's like the last flickering life of the amusement parks we grew up with, of the carnivals we grew up with. You know what I mean? That's the last. Do you want to build an air cannon in your in your yard and shoot Ooh. apples into like your neighbors? Ooh, maybe on the other ridge line. <laughs> I was at one of these establishments on Sunday after I saw you, Chris. We I went right from that to to this, and they had both corn and apple cannons. And the target that you got to shoot at was a uh, one of those small bu- <laughs> small buses that kids ride to school, and you could shoot oh and like break the windows. And where was that? That was in Jersey. It was in Jersey. Yeah, it was in Middlesex County. Yep. And oh, shoot at an old school bus. Shoot the old small school bus. Corn yep. candy. But I will say, I love that. I did, and I think this is a common scam which is what, what makes me bummed out about these places. Is so the idea is, you know, you're going to go pumpkin picking and, you know, far, you know, like farmer Joe puts you on his, you're on like a weird little like hay, hayride thing and they drive you out to this field to pick pumpkins. And not only are the pumpkins not connected to the ground, like they've just been dumped there from somewhere else. But me being me, I was kind of poking around and behind like the area you pick pumpkins, there were just five of those giant cardboard boxes from Home Depot that Home Depot sells pumpkins. So clearly they just went to Home Depot with a pickup truck, bought five boxes of pumpkins, dumped them in a field and marked them up, charged suckers like me, uh, you know, 88 cents a pound to pull them out of the mud. They got to get that farm credit. They have to earn X amount of money per acre of like land that they have for the farm, uh, like the farm tax. Do you remember there was briefly, and, and I want to be clear, I don't think this is a good thing. I don't think it's cool. I'm not trying to romanticize it, but the corn cannons and like pumpkin launchers, they remind me of the same part of the New Jersey spirit. Remember, I think it was Seaside. Was it Seaside or Wildwood that after 9-11 had a thing where you could pay people money and then you take a paintball gun and shoot at a man dressed as Osama bin Laden? Yes. Do you remember that? It originated in Coney Island. Yeah, they definitely don't have it anymore. No, and nor should they. Nor should they. This It's too much. Well, does it, is it only Osama bin Laden or could it be like anybody? Whatever popular well, Coney hated. Island had shoot the freak. Famously, Coney Island had shoot the freak yeah. where you would shoot at a, just a random guy in a paintball mask. Did Seaside have a knockoff version? I don't know. Seaside's knockoff version, they dressed that guy as Osama bin Laden, which is just... Uh, Anyway, anyway, I'm not going to feel too bad about that. <laughs> Can I just say that I'm disgusted with myself? I'm so into the holiday season that I'm drinking pumpkin beer and I don't like pumpkin beer. So that's saying a lot about <laughs> my total immersion to how much I love October and everything that leads up to Halloween. Now, uh, Mike D, I, I think uh, we're having fun with this one. I know there's other stuff to talk about here. 
obviously the danger of caramel apples on anyone who's had any sort of dental work. You put that in the uh, <laughs> outline. I have I have lost multiple fillings to caramel apples over the years. Like actually, I, I literally remember pulling a caramel apple out of my mouth and I'm like, oh, that'll be uh, $800 <laughs> since I see the like filling stuck into the, the coating. I just had a memory too. I once went apple picking and... One of the most popular places in the state, Alstidi Farms out in Chester. Oh, oh shit, yeah. I've been there. They got good donuts. Went out there and uh, they told us, I got there, this was many, many years ago. I went with a girl I was dating at the time and they only had uh, like blackberries and blueberries. They were like, yeah, we're all cleaned out on apples. We we're like, all right, we'll go somewhere else. They were like, everybody's cleaned out on apples. We were like, oh, we'll take our chances. And we went to, we found a smaller one nearby and we went up there and we, they were like, oh, did you come from Alstidi? We said, yeah, we passed through. I said, you know, they, you guys got apples? They said, yeah, we got tons of apples. I said, you know, Alstidi's telling people that nobody's got apples left. And they were like, those motherfuckers. Like, I watched these very peaceful apple orchard people flip out. Come and rage. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't be naming names here, but hey, man, I'm a truth teller. At Alstidi Farm, a, a goat bit my daughter. <laughs> oh, is that... Is that I saw that in the outline. I didn't even know that was the same place. When uh, when she was a toddler, we went there, and they had as all these places, all these places, right? If you've never been, they cram every weird, non-related attraction into one thing. So like, they have cornhole, they have basketball, they have a petting zoo, they have apple picking, and they had a petting zoo, and and a, and a goat bit my daughter. Um, they didn't used to be like that though. I used to spend a lot of time in Chester and Long Valley, like years ago, when those places were like what they were supposed to be. And then they just got ruined by river trash, <laughs> river trash and new what? money. River tra- Wait, tell me what you mean by river trash. Oh, all the, just the New York people that move out to the fucking Jersey country and just ruin everything. But anyway, why are they called river trash? Because though? we're the river trash from our side to New York and they're the river trash from New York to New Jersey. Okay. That's okay. I'm sorry. They just wa- they wash yeah. up and ruin Halloween. They wash up because I've year. seen I've seen that whole area from Chester Long Valley, like in all those great institutions that were there for years and years. Like, you know, of course, because of probably like you know economic reasons or whatever else, and new generations taking over the farm or deciding to sell it off or whatever they do to like have to survive in that area. But um, it, yeah, it used to be great. You go up there, you did like legit apple picking. Like they didn't have all this other shystery crap going on. And, I, you know, corn mazes, I'm sure, are fun. I'm just, like, not going to waste my time torturing myself and spending a lot of money torturing myself. For Do you ever go to Larson? What was it? Larson's? Oh, Larson's. Turkey Old man Larson was, like, uh, good friends with, like, my father. My father had his office right in uh, Main Street in Chester. That's not a shock that you frequented that place. That's a very Bonaduce type place, the old turkey farm. I used to hang out with the old man Larson himself. We'd be hanging out at my dad's office all the time just talking to him. We've talked about... The, te- the treacherous Halloween season. It's time to get into Mischief Night Halloween itself. We've talked a lot about Mischief Night on the show. Um, let's talk specifically about Halloween because this is being released. I-, I hope, let me just say to all our listeners, I know you woke up this morning, you came to download your new episode of New Jersey's World. You probably also surveyed your property to see if you got toilet papered, if you got egged, shaving cream in your mailbox or on your doorknobs. I hope that you withstood the Mischief Night mayhem. And that you and yours are safe and sound. Let's talk about Halloween. Obviously, there's the broad strokes of Halloween stuff. Uh, your razor blades and apples, your poison candy. Mike D, you've done a good job researching the history of poison candy in this country. You want to walk us through some of what you found? Yeah, this is a something that I've been fascinated with, I think, because 
as a kid, poison candy was a central part of Halloween. Right. I mean, oh yeah. I I have very specific memories of getting before I could eat my Halloween candy, going to get it X-rayed. You could bring it to the hospital, and the <laughs> literally, I remember doing this more than once. And also, I hope other people remember this, but the Willowbrook Mall used to have like candy checkers, and you could take your candy there. And these people, like, I don't know what qualifications they possibly could have had, but the idea was you gave them their bag of candy, and they like look through it and would be like, "No, this is cool, it's okay," but like, "Oh no, this this is no good," and they would throw away some of your candy and give it back, and your parents would say it was okay to eat it. Which is a I know that stuff existed, but like my parents would. I remember like the times when it was real bad. I think they'd like glance at my candy, like all right, and then then that was it. Like all bets were off. Like, it was such a when I was young, it was a care. thing. Later on, my parents didn't care either. But I was I've been fascinated by this forever. So of course I dug into it a tiny bit. But there's a term for this, which is Halloween sadism, which I think is a great term, and a. From what I can gather, there's only ever been one case of someone poisoning <laughs> Halloween candy. In in 1974, a man named Ronald O'Brien, who lived in Texas, filled a bunch of pixie sticks with cyanide. Wow. And he gave them to five children, including his son. Uh, only his son, his eight-year-old son, <laughs> ate the pixie stick and died. Oh, my God. Um, the other kids did not, and he was eventually um, tried, convicted, and executed. But as best I can tell, that's the only time that there's ever been, you know, tainted Halloween candy. And it was kind of like a, when we were kids, right, it was, it was the trauma it was like a roulette. Like, what's going to be in your candy? Yeah. Glass. Razor, <laughs> Razor blade. blades. Razor blades. Staples. LSD. Yeah. LSD. Oh. <laughs> only wish can you imagine if you got if you ate a tootsie roll and got dosed with lsd as a nine-year-old first of all how much candy did you eat when i was still out like walking around getting candy yeah yeah you might have been tripping balls before you even got home (laughs) explains so much now uh so it's a thing that didn't really happen but i mean even one incident can set off a, a generation of urban legends um obviously um, that was a predominant thing in our era. I think I think kids today aren't as worried about razor blades, and that's a good thing. But I want to talk about some very real shit that used to go down in West Orange. I'm going to say two words. And in West Orange, these words were scary. I don't actually, maybe some people view this as one word. I, that's the thing I want to hear feedback on. Do you view it as one word? Is this a phrase that's one word or is it two words? Bag snatchers. Mike and Nick, I know you know exactly what that means. Oh, yeah. Two words, but yes. I feel like a lot of people out there know what this means. I put them in the classification of bullies. Oh, my goodness. They're like Halloween bullies, but the most devastating kind. Bag snatchers are just what they sound like. There was a whole class of kids. They were generally a few years. They were probably too old for trick-or-treating. And what they would do is they wouldn't wear costumes of their own generally. And they would come out towards the tail end of the night and they would legit beat you up and just take your pillowcase full of candy. And there might be people who think I'm exaggerating, but I can tell you that me and my gang, we once, and I will say this, looking back, this was one of the scariest incidents of my entire childhood. And anybody who listens to this show knows that that's saying a lot. I had a childhood full of trauma and I've really only come to learn the depths of this by doing New Jersey is the world. Thank God. I'll tell you, I was out with my brother, George, 
I'm going to drop another name that's not been said on this show, but a guy who was in your guys' grade, Ivo. I'm sure you remember oh, Ivo. Oh, yeah. I remember Ivo. Ivo was a really, really good dude. Um, George, who appeared on this show recently, um, him and Ivo were super tight. Ivo's cousin, if I remember, was a pretty, was a dude not to be fucked with um, in the legacy of our town. To the point where I won't even explain why, but he was involved in a lot of stuff where you did not mess with Ivo's cousin. And that usually afforded Ivo some protection. Um, we were out and I'll never forget. And you guys are going to hear it. We got greedy, man. Because you guys know the borders of my neighborhood. Now, this is going to get very specific to people who know my little pocket of West Arch. Everybody knows that I grew up right by where Eagle Rock Ave and Main Street and Harrison Avenue met. If you know West Orange and you know down the hill, you know exactly. It's right where the St. Patrick's Day Parade ends. But if you think about my little neighborhood behind Our Lady of Lord's Church, one of the big borders for that would be Harrison Avenue. And if you cross over Harrison Avenue, now you're getting down towards Colgate Park and the Washington School kids. And that's where those kids got really tough. And Mike and Nick, you can vouch for me. Once you're on that Colgate side park, uh, yeah. Colgate Park side of my neighborhood, my neighborhood was like a very nice working class neighborhood with some rough edges and some families that had problems. Back then, once you got over Harrison Ave towards Colgate Park, it the problems dialed up a little bit. It was a very it was a similar neighborhood. They were a shared neighborhood. Those kids went to a different elementary school, and they were they were v- very much tougher, both in behavior and lives in some cases. And we were a little older. Greg and George were probably, I think it's seventh or eighth grade at this point. So I was in fourth or fifth grade tagging along. And I'll never forget. It was like, should we head home? And it was George. George was like, cause I think did George's grandma live off of main street? Nick, you would know. Something like that. No, I can't remember. George was like, we got to push it dudes. Let's get more candy. Let's keep going. Huh. Let's keep going. So we started taking the blocks that were getting closer to Harrison Avenue. And I'll never forget, there were like probably 10 of us and we started noticing there's just some kids in hoodies kind of at the tail end of our crew and they weren't with us at the beginning of the night. And I remember leaning over to Greg and being like, do you know those kids? And being like, nah, what the fuck's going on? Like leaning over to George at another point, George, you know these guys? No, no, no. When did they link up with us? And we were on like Maple Street and Elm Street and then we got turned on Harrison Avenue and we were trick-or-treating on Harrison Ave. And I just heard one of these kids go, go. And these dudes in hoodies beat the fucking shit out of us. I took off running right away. I think me and Greg got separated, which was real scary because I was young. And uh, they, of course, beat the shit out of George. I don't, if he came back on the show, he would verify this. George really took it on the chin. Um, he tried to fight back obviously cause he's George and they just fucking jacked him and they even got Ivo. And I remember that being a thing of like, Oh, these kids fucked with Ivo, not realizing who it was. And now his cousin oh, wow. who's into some heavy shit is going to like kill these kids. I wish I could tell you the name of the one kid who I had recognized cause he was a legendary badass who I think was either your guys great or even a little older. I can't say his name cause obviously I don't want to name names, but even his nickname is I hate to say it, but it's debatably racist. It relates to a physical feature of his body. Oh, I know who I, I, I know who this is. You know who I'm talking about here, Mike yeah. D. That kid was fucking bad news. I'll type it in the private chat. Yeah. I know exactly who I'm you mean. Who you um, mean. I'm gonna put it in the private chat. That guy that guy was a that guy was a fucking tough kid, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he was a real tough oh, kid. Like dirtbag. 
Yeah. Great A. I put the name and the nickname no. in the uh, in the private chat. That's that. I can't say that, right? That nickname's too much. I would say no, and yeah. I should definitely. And you're the one who walks the line most of all. Um, but those kids, fuck it. We got bag snatched real bad, and it was it, it got it was so bad that we actually uh, we wound up in the police blotter, the uh. West Orange Chronicle. The next time the Chronicle Ooh. came out, the Weekly West Orange newspaper, there was a. Did your mom save that one? I forget. I hope she did. But yeah, there was inc- Look, there was talk of a mugging on Harrison Avenue and it was us getting the shit beat out of us for our candy. <laughs> did they list out the property that was taken? 64 <laughs> blow pops. 14 now and later. Six chocolate Tootsie Rolls. 11 of the weird fruit ones that the cheap families somehow got their hands on all the time. 16 pennies wrapped in scotch tape. Oh, worse. Two... Two lemon heads that were old and melted and unable to be removed from the plastic, and it was frustrating and annoying. I mean, think about the setup <laughs> for that is you, you release the entire under 18 population of a town to roam unsupervised anonymously. Like, of course, that's going to be the result of this. Fantastic, though. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, I love... I've been doing it forever. I, I would, wouldn't change a thing about Halloween. I would. I wish more people would trick-or-treat still. I've come to realize that, because, Nick, you have the whole argument that you're from middle of the hill. And, and you and I recently... You did say, like, shit just fucking was more off the rails in your part of town. That's not where I grew up. Absolutely. And it's stuff like that. Like, I think you guys had that, but you guys had the Valley and I think Valley kids were tough. Yeah. And Valley kids had to watch out. But about we existed in neither. Too. Yeah. It's just a different world. Yeah, man. Different world. It was that kid. I mean, that kid was headed towards bad shit. He was going to get arrested for something at some point. Yeah. He's probably a doctor now or something. Who knows? Yeah. The kid who beat the shit out of me. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's a nuclear physicist. I'm sure. I'm sure. You'd be surprised. Yeah, he works for NASA. He's Elon Musk's right hand. He has a chain of organic coffee stores. I bet. Or he lived some fucked up life that we all or maybe he's dead. saw him heading towards and that no adult could. Is he really? I wouldn't oh, be I shocked. No, that. he's alive. I know that really? for a fact. Yeah, I know that for a fact. Yeah. Wow. Damn. Um, that's, you want to talk about traumatic Halloween shit. Bag snatchers. Those are people that need to be stopped. Or always... Um, you know, you get lucky, you know, where like they, where there was always the rumor of who gave a full size candy bar. That was always a huge oh, yeah. draw, too. We had a house at the top of Fairmont Ave that was notorious for giving the full size yeah. candy bars. We had to cross the street that we were forbid to cross, but we did it just to get that candy bar. One of my favorite things was not full size candy bars, but I was always fascinated by people who gave out things that were not candy. We had a lady on Amos Terrace who used to give out full cans of soda. But we realized at we went there one year real late and she had run out of candy and she gave us all a can of root beer. That's cool. And then every year, just our crew, we'd show up and we'd be like, oh, we're the soda guys. And, And for five or six years, she gave us each a full can of soda. It was pretty great. I was trying to think of some of the strangest things that people gave me that were not candy. And definitely the most common one was change taped together with scotch tape. Which, which, you know, someone would take like two nickels or like 10 pennies and tape them together into like a little bullet, which we immediately put in wrist rockets and used as ammunition. Um, another one was, I remember a few different times I'd go to houses and they would hand out Jack Chick pamphlets. And if people don't know, like, oh yeah, I, that, 
That just brought back those chick tracts, they call them. Yeah, they're basically like these small, extremely scary religious comic books that are very tiny, which I love. I have like hundreds oh, yeah. of those things. I love yeah. them. Those are great. You just brought back that memory, and we had a house in our neighborhood. We had a, we definitely would get the chick tract sometimes, and there was also a house that would distribute Jews for Jesus literature. We would get that. Oh, there you go. There was someone in our neighborhood who would also give out small Bibles when you knocked on their door. And I thought that was kind of cool. Like, I'll take a free book. I love the people who are going like, Halloween is an evil heathen holiday. And instead of spreading candy, I have to spread religion to try to save these children. There's something really twisted and and warped about that. And it takes effort for them, right? Like a month yeah. before they got to order it. Back in the day, yeah. pre-internet days, they had to order those chick tracts before and make sure they were stocked up. Well, it probably came out in the big religious magazine, like order now for Halloween. Be prepared to save the souls of the children in your neighborhood. <laughs> be prepared to ward off <laughs> Satan. There's going to be kids coming to your door just as Lino from Thundercats and you have to save their souls. That's on you. That's on you. The strangest one I remember, which I actually like loved, which is why I think I remember it so much is there was a door that we knocked on and I remember this like, you know, older, like at the, you know, retired guy answered the door and he had like a basket of magazines and he was like, take any magazine that you want. And he had all these popular mechanics and I used to love popular mechanics when I was that age. So I was like, oh, this is great. So I got like two issues, like pre, pre-read issues of popular mechanics. And I thought that was great. And there was another woman she was in our neighborhood, Nick. Remember, she used to hand out batteries. Yeah, there was that, and then there was the Apple Lady, and then, of course, yes, remember your, your UNICEF box. Oh, yes. And then we also had another strange neighbor that, like, he was, like, the person, the guy you never saw, but, like, and he didn't have any candy, but would answer the door with, like, Mike D was saying, like, with a giant jar of change. And just tell you to like grab. He's like, ah, oh, it's like you know, grab a handful. I was like, I never saw this neighbor. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm like, I've never seen this guy ever come out of his house. He was like the nicest guy. He was completely banged up, and we're like taking change out of his fucking fishbowl. I just realized there's something I don't think I've ever told you guys about. I don't think I've talked about this on the show, and it's gonna make you lose your fucking shit. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I can't. You just brought back a memory. <laughs> Have I talked about, because listen, if you've been listening to this show from the beginning, you know that in West Orange, which was this insular, weird little bubble we grew up in, where there were these legendary characters that you'd hear about around town. Like people have heard, we grew up in a place that was pretty fucking strange. And one of the most legendary, probably the most iconic figure from our childhood in West Orange was longtime West Orange mayor, Sammy the Bulldog Spina. I mean, the bulldog. You, people have heard... People have heard entire episodes get derailed because we can't stop making inside jokes about Sammy the Bulldog Spina. Now, what we may not have mentioned, have I talked about this on the show? Because he lived around the corner from me. He, he lived, strangely enough, even though I lived in the, you know, kind of like the, the trashier pocket of town, he had a double lot on Maple Street nice. and he had a really nice house. Uh, and that was incongruous with the rest of the block. It was it was definitely a little nicer. Have I ever talked to you guys about what would happen when you went fucking no. trick or treating to Sammy the Bulldog? No. You are kidding me. I've never nope. talked to you guys no, about this. No, I have to know. Was it great? No, nope. was it fantastic? It was the weirdest. It was the fucking most insane behavior. I can't believe this shit. Oh come on! I am so happy I get to tell you guys this and see your reactions yes, this for is the, the first best time. Of my Halloween treat. Thank you for my Halloween gift. Everybody knows. 
when you go to a house, you say trick or treat, people bust out the candy. And you guys are saying the real weirdos bust out the change or the religious literature or the mini Bible. Sammy the Bulldog Spina in the entire history of my childhood <laughs> is the only person who ever answered trick or treat with the word trick. Oh no. Oh no. If you went and rang that man's doorbell, he I can't fucking believe I've never told you guys this. The mayor of our town. Nobody went to his house because if you did, he made you come inside his living room and do a trick in exchange for candy. That's awesome. It's not awesome. It's the weirdest fucking power trip. I think of it as... You think so? Dude, I used to go into Sammy the Bulldog's house and do like... So you did Somersaults it. across... I did. I would go and do like somersaults <laughs> on the rug in his living room. Dressed as fucking Wolverine. It's probably impressive. I'd go into like... the mayor's... I would be nine years old, dressed as Wolverine, and I'd go and do somersaults on the mayor's rug, and then he'd give me a fucking jawbreaker. That's so weird. He was the mayor. How's this only coming out now? Is this like a known thing that everybody's like, really like, you know, we're going to skip the mayor's house tonight. I really don't feel like doing a trick. It was not very trafficked. But then me and my friends, my my buddies from my neighborhood, Anthony, Lenny, and then Antonio. Once Antonio moved to town in middle school, these were all guys in my grade. I mean, Anthony, uh, Mike, I know you've met Anthony a ton yeah. of times. Met He's Anthony like my times. best friend since I was four years old. Like Like what you guys were in your neighborhood. That was me. Me and him were linked up attached at the hip we started to realize this fucking this is fucking weird that sammy the bulldog is making us do tricks <laughs> so we started planning our trips <gasps> months out we started getting no. dude we would jump up on this motherfucker's couch we were do we were like climbing up on each other's shoulders and trying well, to swing from his chandelier what was, until he saying? He like, what was his reaction when you were doing that kind of love it was this weird thing where he always called our bluff like whatever we did He'd let us come in and do, and you'd ring his doorbell, and he'd be like, "Hi, Mr. Spina. Um, good to see you. Trick or treat." And he'd be like, "Well, you know the rules, kids. You want a treat? You got to come inside, do a trick." Which is a very concerning sentence for any adult male to say to a child, let alone a politician. Yeah. But we'd go in there, dude, dressed in our costumes, and we'd be doing fucking choreo. We'd be go doing choreography. We'd be fucking launching ourselves, trying to run up the side of the wall and do a backflip and shit. And then he'd give you candy. He was the mayor. He wielded power with an iron fist. Was it good candy or was it shitty candy? It was perfectly average candy. Uh, it certainly was not candy that like warranted forcing children to perform for your amusement. Was the inside of his living room like uh, properly nice. mayoral? It was. That's it was what nice. I mean, because you guys can vouch. Like, I'm pr listen. I'm proud of my roots. You guys know that. I'm proud. But people, Nick, you've called me out in a way that's made it eye opening to me. Like, <laughs> I really do. I have a historical problem with rich people. I grew up in a part of town where like houses were. You guys can vouch for it. Like, let's be honest. Like, you guys would come over to my house, modest house, modest home, modest suburban home. Like, but there were other kids in my neighborhood. And you guys know the kids who grew up in my neighborhood where like. If you went and hung out with them, you hung out in the yard because they didn't want you to see inside their house. Yeah, there, there were people who had like yeah. they didn't have much. And I'm not trying to shame. They, they no, had just no. the way it was. Gar plastic bags for windows. Like yeah, there was no, a family. Yeah. There was a family yeah. with a bunch of kids around our age that that legendarily their windows had plastic bags instead of glass in the windows, mm -hmm. and that was like my family. It was a, such a strange neighborhood because like my family was doing like my family after a certain point. I don't think my dad was worried about making mortgage payments, but it wasn't weird for us to walk past the house on the way to school where those kids had plastic bags in the windows. That was the reality of my childhood. And that's why I think I'm so tied up to this day 
in like class shit. But Sammy the Bulldog's house was definitely That's so weird. It was kind of like completely It was weird that he lived in that neighborhood and his house was definitely I mean the nicest house in the neighborhood until you got up towards more George. I think once you got up towards that last little pocket where it bordered Montclair, yeah. Some of those houses started to get as nice as that. But generally Sammy the Sammy the Bulldog's house was a little bit more what you might see over by like Gregory Ave in that side of town. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like still a suburban house but like nicer. Architecture wise it was just totally different. And and furniture wise and just the vibe of it. He was the mayor of the fucking town, man. It was sort of like, yeah. it was sort of like Lucy the elephant, but it was a giant bulldog that he lived in. I live in a giant bulldog I wish, head. I wish he lived in a gigantic concrete. Dude, can we get grit refinery to make a giant concrete bulldog house? Please? I live in a concrete bulldog head house. <laughs> can you imagine the, the fucking audacity that the mayor would make children perform like little dancing fucking I can't believe that's like, grinder monkeys. Wow. I wonder if anyone else is talking about that. You have to reach out. Start a Facebook group. I'm going to text Anthony right now. I rarely text Maybe you could have a class action lawsuit. I performed for Sam Spina on Halloween at Facebook.com. <laughs> I got it. But at least he was always engaged with like the population, that's for sure. But dude, that's too much. That's too much. I hear you. I wasn't the one that kept on going back and choreographing like you know dances to like go perform for him. He could have been like, ah, oh, I'm going to skip that out. The same guy who gave my uh, grandparents a certificate in commemoration of their 50th anniversary, you know? That's fantastic. Same guy who uh, used to come shake hands at the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Same guy who gave us uh, jobs when we were underage working on his campaign to hand out literature. Everybody. Go ahead and uh, force children to f amuse me. It was weird, man. It was weird. It was weird. Anyway, okay. Now that I've gone on that rant, what else should we be talking about? It's a good rant, though. It's a good rant. I can't That's a crazy I've never rant. Heard that story. Anthony just wrote, this has been verified. My friend Anthony, I wrote him. I said, Do you remember Sam Spina used to make us perform tricks in exchange for candy on Halloween? And he said, I do, actually. I said, do you, am, I, am I remembering correctly that we started prepping our tricks weeks beforehand? <laughs> And would leap off his couch and shit like that. <laughs> Did Greg go with you or no? We discovered that this was a thing. Just for you guys. I remember being in middle school, um, especially because Antonio was involved and he moved to town and he moved to our neighborhood in sixth grade. So I think Greg was probably just a tail end to, I mean, if Greg Gethard had come to find out that the mayor wanted you to do a trick in exchange for candy, he would have spent 45 minutes dancing in that man's house. <laughs> my brother would have just made his life hell if he realized, oh, I can go here and just do some trick and run around the mayor's house. My brother would have gotten arrested. He probably, yeah, The mayor would have been like, get probably. this kid out of my fucking house. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine? That'd be great. Dude. Another thing that <laughs> keeps like popping up into my head when I started thinking about New Jersey Halloween of our youth was... Like this phrase that I heard again and again, which was Christmas for kidnappers, right? There was this idea put out there to us as kids like, hey, you got to be careful because Halloween, it's like Christmas for these kids. And I'm making scare quotes with my hands. White for, van for, Yeah, season. white van season, kidnappers coming out. Like there's like probably like a one in 10 chance that you're going to get abducted on Halloween. Like, that's a really crazy thing to instill in an entire generation of children. Like, as you're sending them out the door to roam the street dressed as Batman. 
know. <laughs> yeah, nobody cares. It's like oh, you're worried like when you're in school and then you're like, oh, it's Halloween. Let's go run around. I got a flashlight. I got a bag. Let's hit it hard. Anthony just verified. Yes, we did. We used to prep our tricks and, and choreograph them. And we did once jump up onto his couch and start trying to do flips and backflips off of the mayor's couch oh in exchange for candy. This is how we fucking lived. Off the mayoral couch. The fucking psychopath nature of our childhood. Please, if you're going to jump off the couch, take your shoes off first. Did you guys Thank ever, you. Um, I once almost, deservedly, I almost got myself killed on Halloween once. And I deserved it. I violated childhood rules. Uh, we, we, were, we were out late, like, this was probably like early half of high school. I think probably like sophomore year. I was probably like the last year I went out did Halloween shit. Maybe, maybe a year after. I don't know. But we would stay out late and it became a known thing, right? Like after a certain point in the, in the night, if you saw other kids on the streets, those kids also probably had a bag full of eggs or a fucking BB gun or something, you know, like those were the other troublemakers. And I remember once we were out and any house that wasn't opening the door, we were cracking an egg in the mailbox, you know? Um, which is pretty basic Halloween shit. But we were just going up this road and, and the adrenaline starts to hit. Like you've been pounding candy and you're doing bad shit and that adrenaline starts to hit. And there was one house in my neighborhood that we cracked an egg. And as we went to walk away, the door flew open and I was uh. like, oh, fuck. And it was this kid who went to Seton Hall prep. Uh, but his best friend, him and his best friend opened the door and his best friend was, um, Chris Amelie. And you guys might, I think Steve Amelie was a year older than you. And dude, Steve Amelie in my neighborhood was a real fucking nice guy with a crew of bullies. Um, he was always a real fucking good dude. And Chris Amelie was a good dude too. I haven't talked to Chris Amelie in years and Chris and I liked each other, but he was definitely, he was a year younger than me. He was a fucking, like, he was definitely like an alpha male. And he was buddies. He was really tight with the Dylan family. And he was he was a fucking tough dude and an athlete. And he came out and he's like, yo, who's under that mask? And I was like, oh shit, Chris, what's up? And I realized they saw me crack that egg. And he was about to fucking wreck me. And I think only because of some childhood allegiance that we'd known each other for years did he not wreck me in that moment. And then I caught wind that he was still planning on wrecking me at school. And I don't know how I managed to dodge that one because that was stupid. It was stupid. And so that's a message out there to any kids who might be listening. I'm all for the chaos and destruction of Halloween, but don't get so caught up in it that you don't you don't know whose mailbox you you're egging. So. I made a fatal mistake. I should have shown proper respect in my neighborhood, and I violated the mafia code. Those kids, yeah. I shouldn't have been messing with them. And uh you're lucky you're still alive today. It was a real bonehead moment of just, oh, any door that doesn't open it. That, 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 that. No, you do your fucking research and you be smart about it too. <laughs> That's part of the fun. No research. I almost got fucking murdered. I was on the receiving end of a similar thing. And this was before I moved to West Orange. And I was pretty young. I was probably 10 or 11. And I was out trick-or-treating with my brother uh, in North Nork. And... <laughs> I was dressed in an extremely fruity Mickey Mouse costume. Like I was actually wearing like short shorts and tights and, you know, like the like legit Mickey Mouse thing that my mom like put cobbled together. And we were walking around and we turned the corner and we saw these 
much older kids, like high school age kids. And we actually kind of knew them. Like we were, we, we knew who they were and they knew us. We knew them by name. I'm only going to name check one because he has the greatest name for a, a, an eighties teenage, like bully. Although he was like a halfway decent guy. He was named Michael Bo Keaton. <laughs> and, uh, we saw Mike, um, um, I think he's come up on the show once or twice before. He's like a pretty big presence in my childhood. And so we see Michael Bo Keaton and his henchmen, Saz Jack, Humbert, and Eugene, who are brothers. They all like the great, like it's Sazjack? so funny. Saz Jack. That's the best thing you know, ever. Saz Jack. Well, it's, it's, it's also funny that my main childhood bully was named Humbert. Which <laughs> is kind of like ironic. So we see these guys and I'm dressed in this like, very fruity Mickey Mouse costume. My brother's dressed as Zorro. And we turn the corner and they look at us like, hey, we're like, hey. And we see that they have like, a co- yeah, each are holding like a carton of eggs. And me being like an idiotic, like, you know, 10 or 11 year old, I'm like, hey guys, what are you going to do with those eggs? And Michael Bo Keaton looks at me, he's like, and he just goes, I'm going to smash them on your fucking head. And he just takes like two eggs and literally <laughs> smashes them right into my face. And I just like, run home like screaming and crying because my Mickey Mouse costume is like completely covered like egg like running into my eye and mouth uh. you know and then uh, yeah that was not a good but I learned the lesson which is when you run into those kids you, you like you said Nick you uphold the code and you just oh you don't have any eggs and you just keep walking so I never <laughs> did that again but then it's that weird thing too of like you said like you kind of knew them like they're badasses but you coexist and I'm sure 24 hours later, the next time you ran into them, no one's even mentioning this. It, that's just a thing that happens on Halloween. Sorry, kid. We're all moving on. Yeah. It, it, I never had incidents with him, but I did have ongoing beef for years with Humbert, Eugene, and Sazjak, which we can save for another show. <laughs> oh, this was a joy. This one was a joy, and it's coming out on Halloween. I hope people enjoy their Halloween. If you're out there and you're still somebody who celebrates, get out there, cause some trouble, enjoy the mayhem, get some candy. If you got young kids like I do, live vicariously through them a little bit. I got to say, one of the best parts of becoming a dad is uh, me and my son. Dude, one of the best things. I had these zombie babies in my garage, and Hallie was like, we can't be putting those out too early. They're too fucked up. <laughs> and Cal, just this morning, I pick them up for preschool. He's like, what do you want to do today? I'm like, I don't know. We can hang out, play. You got to eat lunch. He goes, I want to take out the zombies. I was like, this is the best. This is the best. So me and him set up the zombies. Oh, fantastic. Everybody, enjoy your Halloween. Have fun. And remember, we're very lucky that this episode is sponsored by our friends at Grit Refinery, making concrete bagels, avocados, coasters, furnitures, and more. And if you go to gritrefinery.com, use the code NEWJERSEY, you get 10% off your order. And uh, guess what? This is all all the masterminded by a mutual friend of Grit Refinery and ourselves, the great Randy of the band Dikembe. He's a really, really solid dude. So everybody support Grit Refinery. Enjoy Halloween. Best Halloween candy. Go. Happy halloween Oh, best Halloween candy. Go. Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Top dog. I was going to say Reese's Peanut Butter Cup as well. I think that's the top, especially if it's the full-size single pack. I'll take the pumpkin head one, too. Ooh, the pumpkin-shaped Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Because it's got, like, more peanut butter in it, which proportion different. (laughs) Worst Halloween candy? Mary Jane's. Stop making those. I like a good Mary Jane. Oh, you know what, though? I love eating Mary Janes. I like biting down my teeth and locking my jaw and placing them. <laughs> the worst Halloween candy is an old now and later where you can't get the fucking wrapper off. That's the worst Halloween candy. 
Yeah, you can't get the wrapper off the now and later. You're eating wax paper. Just eat it. Just eat the whole thing. It doesn't matter. You eventually do because you're a fucking animal. Yeah, you're just like, screw it. Like, this is going to hurt me. I'll poop it out later. I'm in reckless candy eating mode. Try and stop me. Watch out for bag snatchers, everybody. And if you want to really get the bag snatchers, just fill an entire pillowcase with stale now and laters and wait for them to snatch it. That's your revenge. Pixie sticks full of cyanide. Even better. Listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the World. New Jersey is the World is Chris Gethard, Nikki Bonaduce, Don Finelli, Andrea Quinn, Carson Kopp, and Mike D. New Jersey is the World is produced and edited by Carson Kopp, Mike D, and Andrea Quinn. You can find us online at New Jersey is the World and on Instagram at New Jersey is the World. Also, please feel free to reach out and leave us a voicemail by contacting the home office of New Jersey's The World at 973-780-4660 in regards to anything show or New Jersey related. Please subscribe and listen to more episodes of New Jersey is The World on your favorite podcast service. If you're looking to join our extremely opinionated and Jersey-ish community, head on over to Patreon.com and search for New Jersey is the World. We have merch, which you can find at BelowTheCollar.com after searching for Chris Gethard. Once again, thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the World. New Jersey is the World, where New Jersey is the World. 